0: Hey, everybody. This is Jimmy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's episode is being brought to you by our sponsor, Humor for Humanity, a social enterprise that I founded a few years ago that raises spirits, funds, and awareness for nonprofits, charities, and social causes. Our mission is your mission, Humor for Humanity. You can find out more information at jimmytingle.com. Thank you so much and enjoy today's show. Hello, everybody. This is Jimmy. Welcome back to another episode of our show. I am so excited today to have my guest, John Rosenthal, because not only is he a highly successful business person and developer and just all round great guy, he is the most philanthropic person that I know, and he is the most committed activist I have ever met, and I've met a lot of committed activists. He was the founder of Stop Gun Violence that has saved thousands and thousands of lives, not only in Massachusetts, but around the country. is also the founder of Friends of Boston's Homeless, which is front and center right now as our city and our country tries to deal with the homeless issue. He's also the founder of the Police Assisted Addiction and Recovery Initiative, which started in Gloucester, and they have since partnered with 700 police departments around the country, and they put thousands and thousands of people, helped them get into recovery. He's just a wonderful man, a great philanthropist, a committed activist, and a great American, I must say, (laughs) not to mention a wonderful human being. So, John, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Jimmy.
0: I want to talk specifically today about guns. We're losing 3,000 people a month in this country to gun violence. John, where are we right now? Where are we with coming out of this? What can we do? And how can you and I help?
1: Well, so the late Michael Kennedy and I started Stop Handgun Violence in 1995. Uh, We built the biggest billboard in America on the Massachusetts Turnpike. We put 15 beautiful color photographs of kids under 19 killed by guns. And uh, the slogan was the cost of handguns keeps going up. 15 kids killed every day. I had bought that parking garage next to Fenway Park facing the Mass Pike and thought, you know, with 250,000 people driving by it every day, what message could we put up that might have an impact on bad public policy and turning it into good public policy? And when I learned about 15 kids dying every day among the 106 Americans that died every single day in 1995, I figured most people don't know that there's an epidemic of gun violence. And with that billboard uh, as a front page, We got a lot of attention, ended up in the front section of the New York Times and and national media. Um, We ended up filing legislation requiring, you know, reasonable restrictions on, on inherently dangerous firearms. And since 1995, we have enacted the most effective gun laws in the nation, the first in the nation consumer protection standards for firearms. What people don't realize is toy guns and teddy bears And every other consumer product is regulated by the National Consumer Product Safety Commission, except for the real gun that, like you said, results in 100 deaths a day, 150 injuries a day, a mass shooting of four or more people every day of the year. And this year alone, over 40,000 Americans died from firearms. So we've become the first state in the nation to put consumer protection standards on guns. Since 1994, we have reduced the rate of gun deaths in urban Massachusetts by 40%. We are an urban state with the lowest gun death rate in the nation. And all we do is require accountability and responsibility on gun owners like me. And I ski shoot, I have a shotgun. Gun owners have to get trained and lock their guns unless they're in their direct control. Gun dealers have to operate out of bona fide stores separate from car trunks and backpacks. Gun manufacturers have to put safety features in their guns. And we ban military style assault weapons and cheap Saturday night specials with no safety features. And guess what? We have proven the NRA's worst nightmare. Gun laws save lives without banning most guns. My question is why
0: could Massachusetts? do this politically? And why can't other states do it? Is the political will not there in other states?
1: Well, what we did differently was business people with inordinate influence, access, and resources, including gun owners, got involved. And we changed the conversation from the historically polarized debate of unlimited access to guns or or banning all guns to how our kids criminals and the dangerously mentally ill accessing firearms without detection. What can we do to restrict that access without banning guns? We changed the conversation. And we made it way less threatening, you know, because as soon as most gun owners historically hear background checks, you know, the NRA is saying that's the slippery slope to banning all guns. You know, look, you need a background check to be a school bus driver. You should have a background check to buy military-style weapon, an easily concealed handgun. We change the conversation, we change the laws, and we prove that gun laws save lives without banning them. So it's replicable. In fact, the Boston Globe, after uh, the horrific mass shooting at Parkland, Florida, um, I worked on a four-page editorial with them and the cover of the front page of the Boston Globe and followed by four pages of dramatic results of what we've done in Massachusetts. It was called Seven Steps of what Massachusetts did to become the leader in the nation for reducing gun deaths. But the cover was a huge 27,000 number. And that is the number of lives that would be saved from gun violence each year. If every state simply had the same low gun death rate as urban Massachusetts, that's the opportunity.
0: It's pretty incredible, John. And not all of the gun deaths are homicides; the majority actually are suicides. Do you address that with this uh, this initiative as well?
1: Oh, absolutely. And we've seen a dramatic decrease in the number of suicides as well. Two thirds of all gun deaths that happen today and each year are suicide. And they are largely teenagers that should not have access to firearms, but many you know, people leave loaded and unlocked guns in their dresser drawers or bedside tables. And we also give families the ability with uh, what's called uh, uh, the ERPO law, uh, extreme risk protection order, so that if somebody you know, a, a loved one, is going through some kind of mental health crisis and you know they have a firearm, you can petition the court to have that gun temporarily removed. Um, We have seen that work as well as that prevent a lot of domestic injuries and deaths as a result of a gun in the home. I mean, frankly, the NRA loves to tell you that, you know, they wanna cut the funding for police, they wanna tell you that the police can't defend you, you need a gun to defend yourself. But the fact is a gun in the home is far more likely to be used against you or a loved one uh, than against an intruder. I mean, if you really wanna keep people out of your home, get a dog with a big bark. John, can you get
0: me a dog? That's all I'm asking. I I wanna look like a nice German shepherd.
1: I had a great German Shepherd mix. Now I have a great Portuguese water dog. I think dogs are the best species on the planet. If we were as good as they are and as loyal friends as they are, we'd have a lot fewer problems.
0: John, when you take on these initiatives, tell us about what, what the blowback is when you take these initiatives, as you've been doing since 1995.
1: Well, it's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I'm a gun owner and a business person who started an organization called Stop handgun violence. I mean, what's the corollary? More handgun Christ. violence? Like, how do you support more handgun violence? The sad thing is, Jimmy, this is the incredible, twisted American gun pulse is to provide unrestricted access to all guns without background checks or detection by law enforcement in order to increase gun violence, increase fear, and lead to more gun sales. There's no other way to look at it. I mean, if Harvard Business School were gonna do a case study on how do you increase gun violence, you would basically do what American gun policy is, which is you don't need a background check to buy guns. You can buy military style assault weapons and large capacity ammunition magazines designed to kill as many people as possible in as short a time as possible and to outgun police. Remember, police are given 13 yeah. to 17 rounds in their service weapons. And Congress gives 30 to 40 to 100 ma- round magazines to anyone without an ID or background check, including foreign terrorist groups that come to the U.S. to buy military style weapons because it's a lot easier to buy them Cash and carry at 5,000 gun shows in 32 states that don't require background check than it is to buy them in the Middle East to kill US soldiers. So, you know, think about this. And I have hunted, I have a shotgun. When you hunt, you are required to get a hunting license in every state in this country. And the NRA has no problem with hunting licenses for animals. And when you hunt deer, you're limited to five rounds. When you hunt duck, you're limited to three rounds to protect the duck and deer population. When you wanna hunt humans, Congress says no limit. That is why we have a mass shooting of four more people every day, and we lose 3,000 every month, and we lose 40,000 every year. And if you go back to 1975, that is more Americans killed by guns in this country than all U.S. servicemen and women killed in all foreign wars combined.
0: That's unbelievable, John. And I think what you're shedding light on is the economic incentive for these policies to remain in place. Because most people, if they get into a debate about this, they'll say, it's the Second Amendment, it's my right, it's in the Constitution. But what you're saying is there's a financial incentive for the NRA, would you say that they're acting as a political front for the, the gun industry? Do they, as an organization, benefit economically from the sale of guns? or How
1: does that work? What's that relationship like? Um, it's far more insidious than just economic, although it is in part economic. Um, it's cultural. Fear is a great motivator, and fear sells. And so fear of Democrats taking your guns away or fear of law enforcement breaking into your house and taking your guns is a great motivator to sell guns. And you know the gun industry is uniquely unregulated. And the reason that the gun industry can get away with murder the way they do is Congress gave them a similar immunity from lawsuits. So you can't sue the gun industry even if they market guns directly to criminals like Osama bin Laden bought 12 firearms made by Barrett. It's a 50 caliber uh, sniper rifle that is made in Tennessee, marketed as being able to take down an aircraft with one shot and they tell you where to put it. The weapon used at Fort Hood military base is a 22 caliber handgun made by a company called Herzl, marketed as capable of penetrating 48 layers of soft body armor. They are basically marketing a gun to kill police and military officials. And they can't be sued because Congress gave immunity. And I will tell you, you know, this gun violence by design, after every mass shooting, I get on MSNBC or you name it, and I'm debating some gun industry guy or the NRA guy, um, and they say, oh, it's not the guns, it's, you know, it's mentally ill people. Well, guess what, Jimmy, you and I know that every country has people suffering with mental illness. This is the only country in the world that happens to allow them to be armed with military style assault weapons without detection. What's going on here?
0: Well, John, roughly how much money does does the pro-gun industry contribute to members of Congress? to put them in a position where they can justify passing laws that are
1: clearly not in the American public's interest. It gets into the tens of millions a year. I mean, the NRA proudly says that they contributed roughly $30 million to help elect Donald Trump. And the majority, I would say, virtually all of that money came from the gun industry. It didn't come from membership. In right. fact, you know, a, a membership to the NRA costs 35 bucks, and it cost them 100 bucks to get that member. So, all the money for the NRA comes from the industry, and the NRA does all the bidding for the industry. What can we do
0: as citizens? Because we're coming up to the midterms. We're going to have a, an election, obviously, in 2024. The purchasing of weapons has gone up during the pandemic. It seems to go up every year. It went up when Obama got elected, then it went up when Trump got elected. Now it's up again.
1: What, what can we do as citizens? Well, First of all, we have to get involved in our democracy that we are dramatically losing. And the threat to democracy today is as great as any time in our life. And, you know, the mother of all issues is really campaign finance reform. And that's not going to change. I mean, the Supreme Court has ruled that corporations are people and corporations can control politics and elections. There's more of us than there are of them. We've got to get involved. The Republican Party. You know, it is owned by the NRA and the gun lobby. And the Democrats have been intimidated into submission, thinking that if they take this issue on, they're going to lose. And, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And unfortunately, special interest groups are way better at, you know, squeaking than the majority of us. Uh, We have got to get involved in our politics, and our democracy. So, you know, the seven steps that we simply did were very practical steps. You know, gun owners should go through safety training and have a background check before they purchase a gun. Gun dealers should operate out of a bona fide store separate from their car trunk or backpack. I mean, in 32 states, anybody can sell an unlimited number of guns privately without a background check. Only federally licensed gun dealers have to do background checks. Gun shows, and you know at gun stores but federally licensed gun dealers outside of Massachusetts can also operate out of backpacks and car trunks that's insane so in Massachusetts mm-hmm. we use zoning and we use you know licensing so that we have renewable licensing like automobiles we have safety features like automobiles we require gun dealers to operate out of gun shops like car dealerships you know basically we treat guns like automobiles in this state, and we have proven it can dramatically reduce injuries and deaths without any inconvenience to law-abiding gun owners. But we also look at, at assault weapons, and we have banned assault weapons, not just the named assault weapons, but the function of those assault weapons that are overwhelmingly used in the mass shootings and overwhelmingly used to outgun police. And that combination along with consumer protection standards for inherently dangerous guns, have made Massachusetts the model for the nation. And if replicated, literally 27,000 lives could be saved in this country if every other state had the same reasonable gun law. And we do not ban most guns. We simply require accountability and responsibility Mm. on the part of gun owners, dealers, manufacturers, and law enforcement. Right.
0: John. When it comes to political action, the people getting involved, what do you think the approach should be for the average person?
1: I think the first thing any of your listeners or anyone should do is go to StopHandGunViolence.org. We can give you a whole myriad of things to do. And our, our goal now, because we've proven that gun laws work, we've become the state with the lowest gun death rate. Um, and the lowest cost of gun violence is now we're trying to replicate that in other states. So if you want to support stop paying gun violence and help save democracy nationwide, we can do that on this issue because it is such a cultural wedge issue. And if we can change laws in other states, we can also you know, save lives there, give people hope. A lot of people thought after Sandy Hook, you know, 20 babies. First graders on six teachers uh, massacred with a AR-15 assault rifle that you know in that case was made in Maine, but Parkland, Las Vegas, uh, Columbine, Aurora movie theater; those were all made in Massachusetts military-style weapons that are banned here but allowed to be sold elsewhere, um, which is insane public policy. So another thing that you can do is contact your state rep, your senator and the governor and encourage them to support the act to stop mass shootings here in Massachusetts because there's a horrific double standard where we ban these these military style weapons from being owned and sold in Massachusetts but they're made here by Smith & Wesson and Savage Arms and 32 other gun manufacturers here in Massachusetts that can't sell their guns here but they're causing mayhem around the country. So we're trying to get that law passed. But after Sandy Hook, Elizabeth Warren called me and said, we are going to take up gun legislation and we are going to pass a background check bill and a ban on assault weapons. And by the time that bill got to the Senate floor, they had stripped out the assault weapon ban and it was simply a background check, not for all gun sales, but just internet sales. And the parents of those babies that were killed at Sandy Hook. Those parents who I know who literally, because their kids had been shot, their first graders had been shot, six and seven-year-old shot with three to eleven rounds from an AR-15, these kids had to be identified by their clothing. That is what those military-style weapons do. And the US Congress couldn't even get 60 votes to require background checks on internet gun sales because. Congress is owned by the gun industry or intimidated into submission such that we can't even get the most basic life-saving legislation like a background check that would help prevent the massacre of children. And as a result of Congress not acting, you know, think about this visually. Over the last 30 years, roughly 3,000 kids are killed by guns every year. You could fill Fenway Park up three times over with the number of kids killed by guns in the last 30 years. Half would be white, half would be non-white, and they're all preventable gun deaths. And Congress doesn't care because they don't hear from enough of us and they choose blood money campaign contributions from the uniquely unregulated gun industry over human life. Well, John, you've
0: inspired, Reinspired me to get more involved on this issue. We've been involved for a long time, personally, going back to the gun buyback program in the 90s with Citizens for Safety. And I know that our listeners and our viewers today are going to be re-inspired as well, because what you're talking about is really life and death, and we're talking about our own citizens. And if any other country did this to us, we'd be at war. And we have to take that same mentality into the halls of Congress and the United States Senate, and we have to hold people accountable who are making it easier for those who would do us harm to do us harm. It's as simple as that. There there can be no more complacency. So Stop Handgun Violence is going to be the humor for humanity beneficiary of today's show, and you're going to find that in the chat. uh, A link to where you can make a donation to Stop Handgun Violence Humor for Humanity is behind you 110%. John, thank you for everything that you do. You're a true American hero. You're a true human rights hero. And I just can't thank you enough for your friendship and for your just being here today and talking so passionately about an issue that's literally going to save lives. What else are we here for on this earth if we're not going to help people, if we're not going to just try to prevent more death, more destruction, more misery, more turmoil? I think you hit the nail right on the head today. Thank you so much for joining us, John. Anything else you'd like to say?
1: Thanks for having me, Jimmy, and thanks for giving me a voice. Uh, there's no downside in trying to, to uh, reduce and prevent gun violence. You know, I don't even know how to process the fact that there are literally thousands of people alive today as a result of the work we have done. And I would have done it for one life, never mind thousands. And, uh, you know, the more you give, the more you get. And the more you have, the more you have to give or you you get crazy like most people uh, we know. And at the the bottom line, Jimmy, is, you know, if you're lucky enough to live to be 90 years old, that's 780,000 hours. That is all you get. And what you do with those hours and moments and who you connect with is all you ever have. And what could feel better than helping save lives and improve the lives of people far less fortunate than we?
0: Thank you so much, brother. We'll be in touch soon. We'll have you back. And until then, we're going to be working hard right with you. And I know my listeners will do as well. We're going to make contributions. We're going to get involved. And we're going to do whatever we can to make this, in the words of Abraham Lincoln, the first Republican president, a more perfect union. Thank you so much. Take care. Be well. Be well. Thank you for joining us today. This has been a Humor for Humanity production. I am the founder of Humor for Humanity, a social enterprise that raises spirits, funds, and awareness for nonprofits, charities, and social causes. You can find out how we can help you or your organization raise spirits, funds, and awareness for you and yours. Our mission is your mission. Humor for Humanity at JimmyTingle.com. Thank you.